Second Samuel chapter 8. The end of chapter 7 was David's, I would say, remarkable response, acceptance of what God says, gratitude for all that God has done for David, gratitude for what God will do for David. David reiterates his understanding that as king, he is responsible to God. He's a servant of God. That's how David sees himself. But he also is very happy that God has given him the task of being the leader of God's people and to have a part in establishing Israel in its place and to connect the people to God in an even stronger way. So David's response to God's speech, which as we saw was, contained a strong critique of David. And David has a remarkable response, one of the most beautiful sets of passages in the book of Shmuel. And now we come to chapter 8. Chapter 8 is a brief description of what David does in two areas. We remember that the king was requested by the people in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. And the people there said to Samuel, we want a king for two purposes. Ushvatanu malkenu, who will judge us, and who will fight our wars. Those are the two roles of the king. To administer justice and to fight wars. Chapter 8 is a description, a brief description, of some of the wars that David fights successfully, a great warrior, and the chapter will end with a discussion of David's uh, administration of justice. So the beginning of the chapter, it starts with David's defeat of the Philistines in verse number 1. Then it moves in verse number 2 to Moab, another nation that's an enemy of Israel. And then it goes on to other battles. Uh, Verse number 3, verse number 4, Damascus. David in verse number 9 is recognized by Toi Melech Hamat, and he sends messengers to David to make alliances. So David is both winning battles and making political alliances. He defeats Aram. He defeats Edom in verse 14. Vayosha Hashemet David Bechol Asher Halach. God gave David victory wherever he went. In short, we have a list here of successful battles, and in addition to that, from a political standpoint, David's success as well. That's the first 14 verses of chapter 8. When you get to verse 15, it says, Vayimroch David al kol Yisrael, Vayhid David osem mishpat David reigned over all of Israel, and David did true justice, mishpat ustaka, justice and righteousness, l'cholamo, to all of his people. So the word here in verse number 15 is the word kol. First of all, he's a king of all the people, not a king of part of the people. There's one nation, and David is king of the entire nation. And secondly, he does mishpat ustaka l'cholamo, he administers justice and righteousness. And now, in verse 16, we have a short uh, list here of David's cabinet. Yoav ben Tzruya al-Hatzavah, Yoshaphat ben Achilud Maskir, 
צדוק בן אחיטוב ואחימוח בן אביתר כהנים, שריה סופר, בניהו בן יהוידע והקרטי והפרטי, ובני דוד כהנים היו. So we have a list of the important people in David's cabinet, his military people, a scribe, the Krati and Prati, which are probably some kind of palace guard, special set of soldiers under the command of Bene Ayahu, the son of Yehoyada, who will figure later in stories. Of course, the first person mentioned is Yoav. And we have here a list, basically, a short list, almost a short biography, and the last uh, verse last words of the verse, chapter 8, Ubnei David Kohanim Hayu, David's sons were Kohanim. Normally Kohanim means priests. Uh, could be those who minister, those who serve. It's a strange term. The chronicler, of course, who places enormous emphasis on setting up the Levites and the priests as having their own particular jobs, changes Ubnei David Kohanim Hayu, Ubnei David Rishonim Lamelech. Uh, David's sons were first in the in the first of the first of the king means they had important positions within the court. So the chronicle, as the chronicle will often do, uh, changes some of the language of Shmuel. Sometimes the chronicle brings in other sources as well. In any event, we have here a what well, say it sounds like a kind of biography. As such, it's in a very strange place. Why will it be over here? Right in the middle of the story, next chapter is a story about David, and the story is 9, 10, 11, 12, till the end of the book. And yet we have a little uh, biography at the end of chapter 8. And it reminds us very much of what we encountered in 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14 is a small biography of King Saul. There in the biography of King Saul, it says that Saul was, chapter 14, verse 47, Saul secured his kingship over Israel, Yisrael. then it talks about his wars, he fought all about his enemies, Moab, Ammon, Edom, Malchitsova, Plishtim, wherever he turned he did damage, and then separately in verse 48, Vayas Chayu, he was valiant and valorous, Vayachet Amalek, he defeated Amalek. Vayatzeret Israel miyad shoseyu, and he saved Israel's from those who plundered it. So those are description of the wars of Saul. And then in verse forty-nine, it talks about his family. Vayiyu bnei Shaul, Yonatan, Vishvi, Malkishua, Shtebedotav, Shtei Ma'bechira Meirav, Shtei Ma'ktana Michal. He has two daughters. Shem Eshet Shaul, Achinon, Bat Achimatz. Shem Sar Tzvao Avinir Bener Dod Shaul, Vikish Avi Shaul, Bener Avi Avner Ben Aviel. So it describes other members of the cabinet. It singles out, for example, Avner. And then at the end, the last verse, Vati Amilchama Chazaka Al Prishtim Koyim Eishaul, Virashaul Koy Ishkibar V'Chol Ben Chayu V'Yasveu Elav. The war was powerful between the Philistines in all the days of Saul, and when Saul would see a valiant warrior, Saul would take him in. So what's interesting is, that's chapter 14, the story of Saul continues, and the next chapter, remarkably, is all about the war against Amalek, in which Saul is called on the carpet, and told that he failed to carry out the mission against Amalek, and God will strip and tear away the kingship from Saul.
So it's interesting, in the previous chapter, in 14, it says, Vayas chayo vayachet amorek. He was valiant, he defeated Amorek, he saved Israel from the enemies. And then the very next chapter, it has a story which seems to directly contradict this. So what we have is, over there, two perspectives in the same book. The first perspective, I would call it an objective reality. Saul does defeat Amalek. But in the next story, it's not about the objective reality. Yes, he defeated Amalek, he won the war. Yes, they took some of the spoils. But from the standpoint of Saul's understanding of his role, that's what chapter 15 is about, and that's a failure. I mention all of that here because we have a similar phenomenon in the second, second Samuel, in chapter 8, and then what follows chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. David does mishpat and tzedakah l'chol amo, and you read this, and you start reading the next chapter, and you say, uh-oh, this is a signal. We, the reader, expect big trouble. Because, just as we had in the case of Saul, we have one perspective, he was valiant and defeated Amalek, and the very next chapter contradicts it. The reader wonders, let me put it this way, the reader wonders whether in what will follow will not follow a similar pattern. Namely, one story after the next, which seems to contradict the sense that one has in chapter 8, both in terms of the wars the one who's always successful at war, and the one who administers righteousness and justice to all his people. So that's the way the book is set up. The book is set up, among other things, it purposely includes these two perspectives, because it wants you, for example, in the case of Saul, to understand something. From the objective reality, Saul is a great king. Saul never loses a battle. Saul wins every battle. It's true, when you read the details of the story, the way it's told, there's a negative side to it. He did defeat the Philistines in chapters 13 and 14. Well, his son did it. Saul wasn't so involved. He did defeat Goliath, but David did it. Okay, but he's the king of Israel. It's under his watch, so he must give Saul the credit. And Saul is given the credit in that biography, and Saul is given credit when David eulogizes Saul in the beginning of 2 Samuel, and that's a very important perspective. And the same thing is true of David. Chapter 8 is a prece of David's great success as a military man, as a warrior, multi-talented person, and as one who administers mishpat u'tzedakah to everybody. The impartial administration of justice to all the people. That's what's mentioned in chapter 8. And you read it and you say to yourself, what is coming next? Why is it here in the middle? Why in chapter 8? This will be a fine fine obituary for David. But why in chapter 8? We expect trouble and we are not disappointed.